0: I want to welcome you to the Arrow Heights podcast, broadcasting live from Arrow Heights Baptist Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. My name is Ryan Smith.
1: My name is Nathan Copeland.
0: What? Josh White is not here. However, upon sitting in his chair, I've discovered all these little buttons, these little effect buttons that <laughs> apparently Josh updated uh, for use on the podcast, I guess, in the new year. New year, new effects. Sure. So
1: so get Ryan on that side of the table and and bad things bad things will happen yeah Wow all
0: right so i I'll, I'll make sure and make good use of all these sound effects throughout throughout our time together, but happy new year, happy new year sir glad glad to see you glad yes. glad you're here twenty twenty
1: four I still have my beard you do that's wow. good. Was there any question that you might not yeah yeah uh i, I I've been saying, yeah, the new year it's coming off. Uh-huh. But uh, just haven't had time or energy. Yeah, and it takes a lot to you know. Yeah, you the hedge <laughs> clippers. <and laughs> Are you going to shave the beard at, at, at some point? I is think that on so. Your mind? Yeah, that's typically that's typically what I do. It gets about this length or so. This is maybe the longest it's ever been, and then I just buzz it off. You know. Yeah. And, and like I always say, it's just a matter of uh, sheer laziness. Uh, it's actually easier, I think, to. Shave every day than to try to kind of keep it at a certain length because it does get scratchy and then you got to kind of mess with it. No, no, there's no messing with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's you just let it grow and just run a comb through it every you know week or so, or shave every day. So that's that's the way I do it. Mm.
0: Now, are you are you someone who shaves off the beard in stages? Like, will you go with the mutton chops and then no, although that's a good idea, the stash for a while?
1: (laughs) No, no, my dad has a mustache or you know has had a mustache. he has a beard sometimes and goatee and whatnot when i was growing up in the 80s he had kind of a tom Selleck kind of mustache and so for some reason i've just always been not that guy you know i, I could see you with the mustache <laughs> you have a, you have a wonderful tom Selleck
0: mustache <laughs> under there so uh, we'll, we'll see if the uh we'll see if the, the crowd agrees uh, yeah, we'll see whoa Someone really likes it. Yeah. All right, so uh, Josh can never leave us alone. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Josh is on his way to cross-conference, or cross-con, mm-hmm. as, as it's called, a wonderful conference uh, for, for young adults. Have you ever been? I have never been. Me neither. I know many people who have. Yeah. They speak very highly of it.
1: Now, is this sort of replacing, so to speak, uh, the Passion Conference, which was also kind of a missions conference? Is that conference still going on? I don't know. It seems to be kind of a hybrid
0: between the Passion Conference and T4G okay. uh, together for the gospel, mm-hmm. uh, because you've, you've got uh, John Piper, very, very David involved, Platt. David Platt, mm-hmm. very involved, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of similar similar cast of characters, but uh, it would be a wonderful conference. hope they have a wonderful time.
1: Yeah fantastic
0: no doubt that they will hey uh, we do have a couple of questions that we want to get to um, but but first of all I just want to ask how was your how was your Christmas
1: wonderful made it back to Texas to see my folks, uh, see Emory's dad, we weren't there long, uh, we kind of were sick a little bit, but we had had fun and just kind of relaxed, uh, didn't see too many people, people were kind of gone while we were there, and then we left, and people were coming back, it was crazy, but that's the way that goes sometimes, but yeah, it was it was a very relaxing trip, and uh, yeah, glad to be back home, and still not in school yet, still just kind of chilling out, so it's kind of been a nice break. Yeah. Now, a lot of people
0: may not know that about you. Not only are you a, a worship pastor, equipping pastor, all of these, all these things, the, doctrinal theologian. You are
1: also in school student. I am a student. Yeah, I was talking about my kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, me too. Yeah, and I have not really taken a break from that. I'm I'm still just kind of working through things. Yeah, I um, am a student at Midwestern Seminary. Uh, just been chipping away slowly, steadily at a Ph.D. degree in uh, biblical counseling, um, uh, pastoral care, pastoral theology, you might call it, and uh, working with some really good people, kind of focused more on the history of pastoral ministry, pastoral care. Uh, but yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot and have had some great colleagues, and yeah, it's been a good experience. Great. Yeah. Great. Glad glad, glad to hear that. Uh, well, I'll, maybe, uh, maybe it'll be a good experience if I graduate one day. <laughs> Pray for that
0: (laughs) little by little, but always you just keep your head down. Uh, So I'll, I'll let you handle the questions today. I know you've got, got those written down. Yep. Uh, So so what, uh, what's, what's our first question?
1: First question uh, actually has nothing to do with um, sermons or the Bible. It is simply this. What is the best book or movie that you read or saw? I guess you could see a book read a movie I'm not sure uh in 2023. Wow. Wow a little in, end of the year reflection. I guess that's kind of a recommendation question? Yeah. Always like those questions. Yeah. Yeah. What
0: what wonderful question. Thank you thank you for asking. I'll I'll let, I'll let you start cuz I know you you have
1: a yeah. much wider so, library. Well, <laughs> yeah. So um one book uh, is is a difficult book. I don't really recommend it although I've heard there's a shorter version, but I read in 2023, I think I actually started it maybe in 2020 or 2021. I can't remember, but I actually read the whole thing and finished it in 2023. Carl Truman, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Mm-hmm. It is a big book. It's probably 400 pages, but it's dense. He, he just goes through. He starts, I don't know, maybe around in the 1600s, 1700s, but just kind of walks through these different thinkers and uh, philosophers, basically trying to ask the question, how did we get here? How do we get to the place where the sentence, I am a woman trapped in a man's body, actually makes sense to people? It not only makes sense, but is, is gotten to the point where you, know, you are often persecuted if you do not fully subscribe and celebrate that idea, that concept. And, and he, he starts off the book talking about his grandfather. Just a couple of generations ago, that whole sentence just would have been laughable. It would not have made sense, and of course, going back all the way to the you know beginning of you know humanity, I suppose, uh, but kind of technological things have converged with philosophical and psychological ideas to, to to bring us to this place where that sentence is celebrated by even the President of the United States I, I saw um, a year or two ago. so that book, "The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self," really is an important. Book And basically, to sum up the argument, there's a a statement in the book, and I've heard Carl Truman say this on an interview. Basically, the the three-step argument is the self became psychologized. Mm -hmm. Psychology became sexualized. Mm -hmm. The uh, sex became politicized. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the three-step kind of thing. The self became psychologized. Instead of thinking in philosophical or or even biblical categories on what is a human being, what is our purpose, where do we come from, where are we going, what does human flourishing really look like, what does it mean? Instead, people began to use more and more therapeutic language of this is how I feel, this is what makes me feel good, this is what I think I should be doing to, to have purpose. And psychologized kind of language kind of crept in As the dominant way that people view themselves, not in terms of an objective standard outside of themselves, but in their own psyche. And from there, of course, psychology became sexualized. Well, that's Sigmund Freud and others that just sort of put our our, our sexual selves right at the center of of who we are and and what we're about and how we relate to others. And then in recent years, with kind of the, the sexual revolution, all this became politicized, To where people are being, again, persecuted for not celebrating and affirming uh, these these notions, these categories that we just as Christians say, no way. God defines who we are. God created the male and female. There's a purpose and and design in that that is wonderful and beautiful. We should cultivate that, celebrate that, learn that, and live in that. Uh, So Christians are just absolutely uh, swimming against the, the tide that book really does, I mean, it's such a comprehensive case. I mean, I need to read it again, frankly. There's just so many thinkers that have contributed to this stream that has now become this kind of roaring rapids that, that we're living in, that we're dealing with right now. Although we do see some some pushback, I think, even... Starting to. Yeah, yeah. because it's just... it's It's literally insane what some people are doing and saying. So anyway, I know you... Have uh, read that book, or at least you are aware of that book. Yeah,
0: and I, b- I believe the shortened version is it called Strange New World? Sure, I think I think, I think so. that's right. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's still a little bit dense, just shorter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah, it's a a wonderful book, definitely worth uh, paying attention to, even if even if you struggle uh, reading along with it, because uh, yeah, it basically, I, I love the way you you broke it down, but yeah, it talks about subjectivity has become the new objectivity. Mm-hmm. Like, well, of, yeah. of course, what I think mm-hmm. about myself is paramount. Yeah. I mean, why why would why would it not be? You know, who are you
1: to say? Yeah, that it's not that way. Yeah. 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 And and
0: the fact that that reaches and has reached into even the the highest forms of political. Office, but as as you mentioned, there is quite a tide turning. This because you can only keep the truth underwater so long before it comes up for breath. Sure, and we're seeing a lot of that. People who have um, bought this social, biological, what what have you, uh, lie who. have Taken the logical steps, they've been guided down steps um, along this path, and have come out the other side and said, "No, no, 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 no. This is not what I was promised." Where were the people who were supposed to have uh, objective truth yeah. spoken to me? Like, yeah. well, they couldn't. Yeah. Uh, or if they did, they uh, were rejected, yeah. or whatever the case may be. And so, yeah. Such it, it, to me, it just continually shows that the Bible is true, Mm -hmm. that we are a people who know no limits Mm -hmm. to our own depravity and blindness, you know, that we would turn the most basic physical realities uh, on their head so that we can uh, get to a, a place of whether it's just idolatry of the self or if it's just wanting to satisfy passions.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. A lot of those same people who are denying just these basic, you know, biological realities of male and female are the ones who are also very quick to say, "Well, you know, I believe in science. Yeah, you know, trust the science." You go. Well, uh, seems like we should trust the science when it comes to, you know, the chromosomes X, <laughs> Y, and you know. Anyway, yeah. but yeah, it's a it is a good book, and it's something that uh, we'll see. I mean, there's another. I was just as you were talking there. I think that. We see some pushback as well to some of the the critical theory, the critical race theory stuff, the the anti racism of the past few years, uh, with you know kind of the onset of this war and the anti semitism that we've seen. You kind of have people kind of stepping back and saying, "Wait a minute! So Israel is white? Israel is the oppressor? You know that type of thing." And people go, "Wait a minute! Maybe this whole..." Uh, anti-racist, quote unquote, which ironically is pretty racist if, if you think about it, people kind of step back and go, wow, maybe this is uh, something's wrong here. something's broken. Um, whenever your whole worldview is kind of uh, kind of viewed through the lens of whoever is the oppressed and whoever is the oppressor, that's really the the power play, the dynamic when you know, uh, truth should be, you know, the, the arbiter of, of, of what whatever conflict we're going through, that there is objective truth out there, not just who's oppressing who, and we pull for this side or that side because these people are, you know, uh, the quote-unquote, you know, they have the privilege. It, it, it's never going to work. It's never going to uh, lead to the flourishing that people claim, uh, only living in accord with what God has revealed. In creation, obviously, but also more specifically in Christ and in the word of God which does not change mm-hmm. and which is pure and perfect as it says.
0: Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's a s- strange and interesting st- interesting time. Yeah,
1: 2024. We'll see what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that uh, that some of the, some of these threads are are starting to unravel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so people are starting to, to awaken to some realities, and in so doing, we'll start to pursue uh, what what is truth. If if this trajectory that we've been heading down, this foundation that we've been building. Isn't solid. What is? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great opportunity for the church. Yeah, step in with the gospel. Uh, What about what about? Well, I'll go the book. Yeah, books, movies. Um, Well, I was I was trying to think, and this is, I've I've become a bit of a a fan of um, dystopian Hmm. novels. From, uh, but th- that that have some kind of political cover, like 1984, mm-hmm. uh, Fahrenheit 451. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I've, I read uh, Animal Farm. Okay, loved it. I think that I think I learned more from Animal Farm than I did in any of my civics <laughs>
1: courses.
0: Yeah. I think, but I think one of the, one of the best books I read. Certainly not new, but Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is right in that vein, and these are books that were written uh, in the forties, nineteen forties, thirties, twenties. You know, even, and they are so spot on, prescient hmm. about our current reality or the trajectory down which the logical trajectory down which we we are are heading. Uh, I, I found that I found that book to be absolutely fascinating mm-hmm. disturbing yeah. on many levels but i see us uh, so close to the precipice mm-hmm. of landing there and i don't know how on earth aldous huxley saw this mm-hmm. <laughs> from the 1940s but obviously it's it's been there mm-hmm. i mean you mentioned you mentioned freud and basically the oppressor and oppressed a, a i mean, that's basic marxism mm-hmm. you know this this Freudian Marxism is exactly the world that we live in mm. today. So anyone who was looking at what Freud was saying and Darwinian evolution, okay, well, we're just animals, and at the center of our animal nature is our sexuality. And uh, if any, if whatever we desire, if someone pushes against that, they're an oppressor. Therefore, mm-hmm. I must set free this whole me. Well, mm-hmm. there's our world. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's... It's it's interesting that was yeah. one that stood out
1: of those that you mentioned there. The only one I think I've really read was Fahrenheit Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, <laughs> Fahrenheit Fair 51. <laughs> I think is what I was trying. To... Uh, Fahrenheit 451. But I'm a big fan of a book by Neil Postman. Uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Mm -hmm. where he sort of contrasts, and you have to help me here maybe, but contrasts the dystopian vision of Aldous Huxley, Brave New World, with George Orwell's 1984. Mm -hmm. And I am maybe getting this wrong, maybe you can help me, but 1984 basically says the problem's going to be Big Brother Mm -hmm. coming in and sort of controlling our lives, whereas Brave New World sort of is like, well, actually, the problem is going to be that we just don't really care we're we're literally amusing ourselves to death it, it's not that Big brother's gonna ban all the books it's that no one's gonna care about the books <laughs> right yeah <laughs> and I I yeah I totally agree that's where we live and man I'm tempted to not get into politics in 2024 <laughs> um, yeah good luck with that <laughs> <laughs> but I just think that's that's so much of the it's not the only problem but it seems like such a Big part of the problem with our politics these days is that it's a show. It's mm. it's it's amusement. Um, it's a it's a circus. It's it's all s- sound bites and it's scoring points and there's not much substance mm. to the discourse, and that is not a good place uh, for. You know, our, uh, our representative democracy, our constitutional republic, whatever we, we live in, it's just not a good place to be because we need to have serious conversations about real issues, and the law needs to govern not any one personality or, or political you know, power play or party, but the law, the truth, right? Ultimately, we, we believe uh, Christ. Who is our wisdom? Uh, I guess we could get into Christian nationalism, but let's let's avoid that too in 2024. <laughs> but I mean, ultimately, God's uh, objective uh, standard—that His law—is the basis for uh, any society. So, uh, to really um, uh, think those things through carefully, we need to be people who are um, reading, thinking, discussing. In civil ways and in and in uh, rigorous ways certainly um hopefully the church is a place where that happens um but yeah it's uh well like i said twenty twenty four we'll see what happens yeah <laughs> yeah yes yeah. so, so uh, i that, that was that was probably uh, a good what,
0: what what movie
1: yeah i gosh it's hard for me to remember <laughs> what movies i've seen I know I saw You know, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. I know I saw that one. Um, Never seen it. (laughs) Never have? The uh, one movie my wife and I went and saw was um, Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. And that's a book that I read uh, a few years back because it was kind of popular, and I I picked it up, and, man, I read it uh, straight through. I really couldn't couldn't put it down. And the movie was just interesting. I think it was a good movie. Certainly uh, uh, the director... Whose name sort of slips my mind? Scorsese, yeah, Martin Scorsese. Certainly, he was kind of making a statement and making this movie for kind of the the you might say the memory of the people there, the Osage people. Um, and it's a pretty rough movie. I'll just go ahead and say that I mean, it's rated R for for some some graphic imagery, some violence. You know, it's about the Osage murders, right? Um, but man some really talented people put that movie together and the story, even though the movie was so long, I was riveted. So that's one I can remember. How about that? That, 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 that works. That worked. I'm
0: I'm trying to remember what, what movies I did see. I, uh, I I went along a little bit with the cultural zeitgeist. I, I do this from time to time. If there's something that's, so big culturally that I know is probably impacting uh, people in the church Mm -hmm. or around, like, I I should probably at least know what this is. So I I did fall prey to the Barbenheimer. Okay. Uh, I I did go see Oppenheimer and Barbie uh, because that was the thing you apparently had to do uh, this this summer. And... uh, Oppenheimer was interesting. There were some, there were some completely unnecessary scenes that mm-hmm. uh, you know Hollywood. They didn't ask my input. Uh, they kind of do their own thing. But uh, the, those, those scenes were un, were unfortunate. But
1: um, because and I haven't seen it. Yeah. Because uh, Oppenheimer, who was making helping make the atomic bomb. Uh, was carrying on an affair, mm-hmm. correctly, with a lady who turned out to be a Russian spy. Is that right? I don't remember that part. Okay, I may have stepped out to get popcorn.
0: Okay, <laughs> but but yes, he did. He did have an an ongoing affair. He was a uh, he was not a one woman man. Gotcha. Um, and that's the, that's apparent through the, through the film. But I found, and please take take this with a grain of. Whatever uh, I found Barbie to be incredibly interesting because of I wasn't quite sure exactly what uh, what statement it was making. Mm-hmm. There's a very overt statement, man bad okay that that is right on the top of it, but there were some layers beneath that mm-hmm. that I did not expect and w- when I, when the movie ended my first thought was i want to watch this with my wife mm-hmm. like i want i want a woman's perspective on this mm-hmm. like am, am i just picking up so I, I think I, I think they did a uh, you know you got the you, you got the top layer man bad but you get below that really it starts talking about or at least what i perceived mm-hmm. you know was uh, this whole kind of gender war mm-hmm. that has kind of been established,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that it's really exhausting from both sides mm-hmm. because that's not what we were created to be. Yeah. We're not created to be at war with one another. Right. And it's okay, and I, uh, this kind of flows against the, uh, the kind of uh, idea of what most people took from the movie but kind of what I took from it was not so much a feminism mm-hmm. or a patriarchal uh vantage point, but a can we can we like a can we can we start over mm. like can can you be men can we be women and can we start over fascinating yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure that I think that's why I wanted to watch it with with mm-hmm. my wife. I was like, "Am I picking that up mm-hmm. right?" And this was obviously not uh, from a Christian perspective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, in in large part, done from a my understanding is a, a highly feminist perspective. Mm-hmm. But I I don't know if if other people picked up that same nuance. But that that was. That was what I came away from, and that was refreshing to me yeah. because, uh, like you said, in the culture of just sound bites mm-hmm. and uh, just lobbing verbal hand grenades back and forth, uh, we long for substance. Mm-hmm. Even if it's substance that we don't agree with, we at least know the principles that we are discussing mm-hmm. and that are on the table, and... Uh, to, to me, it kind of started to get at a little bit of yeah. that.
1: It's interesting. Yeah, my oldest daughter saw both of those, and um, that's exactly what she said about both of those. Really? <laughs> really? Okay, it's, uh, no, no teenage boys can go see Oppenheimer. No. And Barbie um, was exactly that. Kind of a, um, a- almost, um, like you said, on the surface, sort of a feminist sort of f- flavor. But then at the end, you're kind of left feeling like, wait a minute, maybe... Maybe manhood and womanhood aren't so bad after all. You yeah, know? and it's kind of it, it kind of gets to the longing and lies. You know, not to go back to our that's another good book I read. Yeah, twenty twenty three is uh, this is our time, but there is this um, longing that people have for this. I mean, I guess not to put it in a cheesy way, but we're talking about Barbie, I guess. So here we go. <laughs> um, you know, kind of the uh, the uh, the valiant, courageous man who kind of. Um, woos and rescues and pursues this woman, and she responds to him. Kind of that classic fairy tale story. There's something written deep down, kind of in our souls, in our hearts, that that wants to experience that kind of manhood and that kind of womanhood. Um, but we're so inundated with so many different views and visions of what uh, you know, romantic. Relationship should look like mm. that, uh, and even the even the kind of classic fairy tale can be twisted in all kinds of ways. But it points to something that we have an opportunity as Christians to say: Listen, we have the real story here. We actually have Adam and Eve before the fall. This is God's design. There's something here that, yes, it can be abused, but we can't just chuck it. We have to get back to, um, well, the gospel. Which makes us whole, and which makes us right with God, and ultimately right with one another, and helps us live—kind of get back on the tracks, you know—so that we're living in the way we're intended to live, uh, to flourish uh, in in life and in work and in marriage, which is such a primary, important relationship.
0: Yeah, it kind of gets back to what what we were discussing earlier. In in an entire world where everything is subjective, mm-hmm. there's a re- returned kind of draw toward that objective narrative yep. that there there is a grand story yeah. going on and there are characters and there are roles mm-hmm. and there, there are all these that fit with what is actually taking place yeah. Yeah. in the world. And
1: that's not to sort of pigeonhole men as this no. kind of thing and pigeonhole women as, as only like this it is to get to the essence of the thing. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, these two summers ago when I taught a little bit on this, I talked about the beauty of uh, manhood, mm-hmm. the beauty of it. Then I talked about the strength of womanhood mm-hmm. in, the in. I think I said, the beauty of manhood in the garden, the beauty of, or the strength of womanhood uh, maybe in the desert or after the fall, something like that, mm-hmm. talking about First Peter, um, is I think that there's, some cliches, even in kind of again, the classic fairy tale vision of the knight in shining armor, you know, and the damsel in distress. Um, there's some cliches that even uh, just fail to capture the full, robust, biblical vision of the complementary relationship between husband and wife. Uh, if, if you know my house at all, you know my wife is a handy woman. I'm not. You know, there, there are certain things about our home where she kind of takes the lead and sort of the, quote-unquote, more masculine role. And I'm a little bit more of the sensitive, artistic, maybe write a song about it. Do you want to sit down and talk kind of guy. And she's like, hush, there's work to be done. You know, a, uh, but hopefully just over, hey, in 2024, it'll be 25 years of marriage. So wow. pray for us. We're almost Congratulations. there. Thank you. Um, but over 25 years of kind of working through this together, hopefully— um, we're both becoming more like Christ, mm-hmm. a Christ-like man, a Christ-like woman. But you can't just be like Christ generically. It, it, you know, the gospel begins in the garden, right? Mm-hmm. And we have to uh, embody that Christ likeness in the way God intends. And again, as you've just said, it's uh, only the um, robust, objective uh, view that Scripture gives us is sufficient.
0: Yeah, and I I think that's why we're going to continue to see biblical truth be attractive, Yeah. even through what a lot of people have seen the church as being perhaps overly the old term being quote unquote seeker sensitive, mm-hmm. but you know so so accommodating to the culture. I think there's a lot of people who say, look, we don't want the culture, mm-hmm. like we're 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 done with that. Give me, I'm hungry. And this isn't filling me. What goes here? Yeah. And so I'm excited isn't
1: the word of 2023 authentic? Is it? <laughs> I think so. The word of 2024. Well, the word of the year, I guess, in 2023 was authentic. Huh. And so I don't know. Again, authentic according to what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just authentic according to what I feel. No, I think what you're getting to there is they want something uh, transcendent, yeah. eternal, real. You know, genuine. And ultimately, you know, again, we, we think you can't understand what that is apart from God who created us and created this world. So that's what's really authentic is is knowing him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So so that was one question.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Josh really <laughs> Just, shouldn't Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, here's another one. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? And second part, how do we avoid the trap of legalism? In New Year's resolutions, Ooh.
0: two-part question. I don't have any New Year's resolutions. As I as I said Sunday, I think it's helpful to take a time to step back and evaluate. Yeah, you know, like these are some changes that I probably need to make. Yeah, ha- having our head down all the time isn't necessarily helpful. It's good to step back, and this is a natural time of year to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it's a definitive time of year mm-hmm. to that. So. I'm not a resolutions type person, but I have you know taken the opportunity to step back and evaluate and uh, think of some things to to adjust and to hope are you know better at, at this time next year or whatever, yeah. but you know not 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 new year's resolution type type guy um but i I, I think legalism sneaks into that when we say. In order to in order for God to love me more, or in order for me to be a more uh, acceptable human being, then I need to fix these things, and mm-hmm. then I can come to Christ. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we're all we're always being sanctified, you know, but we have and, and that's that's good. We walk with the Spirit. Uh, on this side of heaven, He guides us and He leads us. He leads us through. But we have to remember that we have been justified. Mm-hmm. That that is done. That uh, you know, our acceptance, our value, our worth in Christ has been completely, definitively written. Mm-hmm. And so, if if I lose ten pounds jesus isn't going to love me more or less mm-hmm. uh you know that'd probably be good for me healthy if if i don't do if i don't do that can't do that great um did i become more like christ mm-hmm. that's the only goal that i yeah the only trajectory yeah that i need to follow and that's for god's glory and for my own good amen but
1: yeah i only have one new year's resolution <laughs> The same every year. I try to read the whole Bible every year. Uh, I don't always make it, Uh, and in the last few years, I have supplemented just reading with listening, Mm -hmm. just trying to get through the whole story, which actually is not that hard. If you listen, uh, I I know people who sometimes will listen twice through the whole Bible, or even three or four times through the whole Bible. Uh, you know especially these days you put it on 1.5 speed and it just kind of keeps <laughs> keeps going. Yeah.
0: Um don't but, put it on so fast that you <laughs> you know I lose listened to it 12 times. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, and let me just say really great sermon on Sunday. Oh, praise God. Psalm 49 is it's one of those psalms if you'd asked me before Sunday what Psalm 49 about I would have had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a psalm that for some reason kind of has stuck out in, in my mind uh, just the way you you kind of handled that and walked us through that, I thought was fantastic. But the very next day, on January 1st, I was reading Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. And um, I noticed this verse here, one I'm sure lots of people are familiar with. But uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Well, there's a parallel there to what you were talking about from Psalm 49. We we all want to to prosper. We all want for our families to prosper, but what does that mean, prosper? Mm -hmm. And of course, as you just said, uh, trying to follow Jesus and, and ultimately be conformed to his image as we look to him, as we worship him, as we walk with him, that's what real prosperity looks like. Um, all of the uh, physical, material stuff, it's going to fade away. It's going to be lost. We're going to leave it to someone else when we die. Uh, what does true prosperity and eternal prosperity look like? It's, it's knowing Him. It's, uh, it's being blessed by walking in His ways. And according to Psalm 1, I mean, one of just the simple, basic starting point ways to do that is to meditate in God's law. Well, how do you do that? Well, you got to read it, <laughs> you know? Um, so I started just again yesterday. So I'm doing really good. I got two days hey, behind me. <laughs> crushing it. That's, good. that's right. There's an ESV podcast that takes you chronologically through the the Bible. Read by a guy named Robert Smith, huh. who I've heard preach before. He's no, that's kinda, not
0: the former running back for the Minnesota Vikings. I do not believe so. Okay. Uh,
1: <laughs> Robert Smith is a preacher. Uh, he's an old... Old man now, but he—I uh, heard him preach years ago at Southern Seminary, um, and he actually was at a preaching conference. And this guy, <laughs> during his sermon, which was kind of a lecture slash sermon, uh, he started dancing. Uh, he, he wrote a book called "Doctrine That Dances." That's the name of his preaching book, right? Huh. It came out years ago, but he steps down from the the lectern there and reaches out his hand and takes this. Lady by the hand and starts kind of twisting her around and he's still preaching while they're dancing and then he kind of leads her back to her seat and he says, "Hey, I know that lady, by the way." And then just keeps <laughs> going. You know, I guess that was his wife. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, he's a, he's got a great voice and, and so I'm looking forward to just kind of spending uh, spending the year with Robert Smith chronologically through the Bible. Interesting. So he just reads chronologically straight through. Yeah. So yesterday was just Genesis one, two, and three. Today mm-hmm. was Genesis or and 5 but then there was a little snippet from first chronicles the uh you know adam through i can't remember not noah yet but adam through somebody enoch maybe what's the what's the name of the podcast i don't know uh, i don't have my phone on me just but the, it's it's just esv yeah chronological through the bible i think yeah. something like that wonderful,
0: wonderful. <laughs> look look it up. You can you can Google it or find it, I'm sure, where, where podcasts are uh, available.
1: So we do have one more question. Yes. But I lost it. <laughs> I had it... Re- Wait. Here it is. Wow! <laughs> it's a New Year's miracle. <laughs> That's right. Uh, this came in by email. This is, um, can you help me understand the dilemma between Matthew 6 not being seen practicing righteousness, and being salt and light for others to see? I think that's an excellent question. So we're in the Sermon on the Mount, right? This is the kind of question that I love it because it really reveals a heart that is trying to understand and trying to apply God's Word. Mm -hmm. And you're reading carefully, you're reading deeply, and you say, wait a minute, there seems to be sort of... A contradiction here. Some sort of saying this and saying this, how do these two fit together? And let me just say, I think when Christians ask that kind of question, or they come across this kind of thing in the Bible, this is not something that we should be afraid of, or embarrassed about at all, or nervous about. This just means, I think, you know, we're about to kind of be able to think harder and get to some sort of resolution. Mm. Uh, Because the Bible, listen, this is the beautiful thing about church history. People have been studying these passages for two thousand years now, and if there was a problem, you know, we'd know about it. And of course, you know, liberal scholars always want to point to problems, but the believing church has read these scriptures and seen how they fit together in complementary ways uh, and help us understand in a deeper way uh, when we put scripture together like that. So this is great, and here. Uh, where, what's interesting is about this is this is a passage that's uh well both passages are from the same context from the mm-hmm. Sermon on the Mount. So that right there should tell you there's not a contradiction here. It's not like Jesus is going to say this thing and then he forgets and you know a little bit later says this other thing that contradicts that. There's got to be something deeper. So Ryan, what is it? <laughs> there, there's a, a a
0: phrase in the scripture that if if you can kind of as you're reading through or listening through. Tune your, tune your ears, particu- particularly in the New Testament. And the phrase is, so that, or, or in order to. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. What is the purpose? And that verse in Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order <clears throat> to mm-hmm. be seen by them for then you will have no reward for your Father who is in heaven. So basically he's not saying don't practice your righteousness in front of other people or don't be righteous in front of other people. He's saying don't do that as a means to look good in the other people's eyes because, one, you will do that, but you'll be so full of pride and so um, self-absorbed and concerned that at some point— that facade will break and the truth will come through, yeah. and what it will look like is, oh, well, that person that we've been upholding as a Christian uh, and putting our eyes on, in reality, is a hypocrite. That's right. Mm-hmm. Therefore, all Christians are hypocrites. Right. Mm-hmm. We've seen that play out millions of times, yeah. far too often. So... Uh, Practice your righteousness before other people. There's no way to avoid that, and right. that's what makes us salt and light. But I think you could perhaps combine the two phrases mm-hmm. and say, uh, "Practice your righteousness before other people in order, in order that you will be a light mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to other people. You be salt, uh, and, and that they will culture. glorify yes. God. Yes, yeah. ab- absolutely. So it's all it's all about uh, the purpose. Yeah. All about the purpose addressing there.
1: Yeah, the intention. You know, are you are you doing these good deeds, are you praying out loud, you know, in public, are you giving money to to this cause or giving money to the church in order to be seen so that you get the credit, you get the glory and people look at you kind of lift you up? Or are you doing these things so that you are lifting high Jesus? You you are lifting up uh, his praise and drawing others to praise him? Uh, for what he has done. I think the intention really is the the key there. And like you said, in in one sense, it's inevitable if we are living uh, according to God's Word, if we are living uh, seeking to bring God glory, that's going to have an impact. It, It is going to be seen by others. In fact, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So there's kind of an inevitability about it. Uh, the question is, what is the intention of that? Are we trying to bring glory to ourselves, or ultimately bring glory to God? Yeah, yeah. So
0: it's it's not about the means; it's all about the ends. Yeah. Uh, so, but that's a very helpful question.
1: Yeah. Appreciate you, Send fantastic.
0: That yeah, thanks. Thanks for all your questions. We always appreciate those, and we look forward to continuing to answer those in the new year ahead. Uh, so, thanks for hanging with the Arrow Heights podcast. Feel free to send those question in, questions in each week. The number is in the information guide. It's also up on the screen uh, b- right before uh, the s- sermons, and so that number is readily available. Although I don't have readily available right now. Uh, <laughs> I do. You, you. You. Oh yeah. You. It you too can. You too
1: can find it. Nine one eight. Two eight zero, nine six two eight. Josh may not be here, but he left the notepad <laughs> right there with the number t- on. <laughs> he's taking care of us. So Josh, whoops,
0: that's not. what
1: there, there. That's what. I was Way to go, for. Josh.
0: That's for that's for you. That's for you. <laughs> Thanks, for tuning into the Arrow Heights podcast.